0: Welcome back to your favorite podcast. Who knew? Welcome back. Uh, this is, in fact, episode 64 of The Fear of God, that uh, wild and wacky place where we examine the intersection of things faithful and things fearful. With you right now is Nathan Rouse, one of your normal hosts. Um, and, you know, also with me today, but before. He entered my life, it never snowed. And and just afterwards it did. Uh you know, Reed, here you are, man. Like you, you come <laughs> into my life and it snows all the time, and I'm really kinda tired of it. Well, um but I, But I love watching you dance. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, the places we can go. Um, um so uh, I imagine on the listeners end, they may, they may think, wow, you know, they just did, uh, just listened to stranger things too last week and they sounded so fresh and, and, and on top of things, <laughs> and now they sound so bedraggled and worn and weary. Um, yeah, so here we are, we are in a brand new series. So in October we did hashtag I love the nineties, which was a lot of fun. We covered a lot of really, um, signature horror films of the nineties last month. We just wrapped up stranger things giving, uh, where we covered both stranger things season one and stranger things season two. That's season two, man. That's, I know that was amazing. <laughs> Woo! That's then, fantastic. Then when all that other stuff happened during it at oh, the end, man. and monsters and things, it was
1: it was great and and you know what's even more is I was really impressed with their bold decision to just
0: play the trailer for every episode yeah that was all yeah, they did yeah uh, and I love I, when Hopper did that thing it was great yeah and then when Will oh, well, and, then, I oh but but then, that. and then and then, then he got
1: powers Well but, but then but then then Steve with the thing yeah yeah oh man Steve's the best Steve well not anymore because <laughs> he's dead that's not what. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so
1: this um, is the most bizarre <laughs> improvisational interlude we have ever taken.
0: Um, uh, yeah, we did just just a little peek behind the curtain here. We're actually recording before all of that has happened. So, um, <laughs> you know, so we uh, hope Stranger Things giving was as fun. Yeah, as yeah we hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did <laughs> as much as we will have done. Right. All for, that to say that leads us to right now this podcast that you are listening to in this moment where we embark on a brand new series this December, um, that we're in that you're in, um, Merry Christmas, everybody, Merry Christmas, everybody, <laughs> um, which we are affectionately terming a scary Burton Christmas. This is one that's been in kind of the germination stage for some time. Sure. Um, you know, I, I think if you recall, it's been at least since early summer, if yeah. not, maybe springtime. Yeah. Um, you know, there are there are a couple of films we're going to cover during this four-week series that we've been talking about for quite a while. I, I do think there's one pod where we actually alluded to one of them. Um, for today, specifically, um, as I alluded to a minute ago, we are going to be talking about the 1990, I believe, is when it came out. Correct. Um, Edward Scissorhands, uh, featuring Johnny Depp, Winona Ryder, and a couple of other really great actors. Um before we uh, uh, open up this fairy tale too quickly, though, read. I am just curious. What you watching? What you reading? What, what you listening to?
1: What listeners don't know is that in addition to the singing, Nathan like holds his hands in an almost Stop. like. In an oh, almost meditative fashion. Oh, I
0: just gotta get, I gotta feel the spirit. I gotta get in the zone. <laughs> so I'm watching... I'm, not, I'm not watching not a singer. Like, so I gotta really, it takes work to summon true, that vibe, yeah. you know? And evidently like, to hold the he's... goblets that you're holding right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> in your hands. <laughs> no. <laughs> there's no way, there's no way listeners are gonna be able to conjure that image. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but I'm okay with
0: that. I'm okay with that. But I appreciate your efforts to help me try. <laughs> um, so, um, the 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 font is low. The fount is low in terms of things that I can pull from here. But one I did, I referenced it a couple times, but almost more in just kind of passing. Uh, but my wife and I did finally finish um, season three of Blackish, and it has really become. Um, I mean, to to pop culture and people who were already enjoying it, um, this is no surprise. But for. Like in our shoes, having just now gotten to where we're at, it's a fantastic sitcom. I mean, mm. I I actually think I was telling you this the other day. I don't, despite my uh, occasional attempts at and and even less frequent uh, successful um, execution of of humor, um, I I actually don't watch a ton of sitcoms. I think generally mm. because I find <laughs> this is going to sound a little snooty. Most of them I just don't find very funny. Um, oh, okay. You know, like, like, or the premise is so kind of, I don't, I don't know. But um, we took a chance on this one and have, have thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, if, if it is something people, you know, take an interest in, season one is very good. Season two is a little weaker, actually, on the whole, to the point that I was a little kind of like, meh, I'm watching it because my wife was really wanting to push forward with it. But season three really... I would I would say is almost perhaps even better than season one. I mean, it just really takes a strong step forward hmm. in terms of a lot of the comedic beats. It can really get poignant uh, on a dime in a way that a couple of episodes you're kind of what you, you you start to play it, wanting just the kind of that cathartic release of the day of watching something light and humorous, and end up thinking, oh well. That was a lot more heavy and, and poignant <laughs> than I was, <laughs> I was expecting. I was um, expecting
1: a very special black. Right, 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 <laughs> right, right, and, right. And there are a number of
0: them. And, oh. and if you don't know the sequence of the episodes or haven't seen it before, you don't know they're coming and all of a sudden you're in tears. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> that said, uh, it's a very strong series. We will, um, at, at, at the time of this recording's release, season four is probably in pretty full swing, so we'll probably start that shortly. But uh, that's kind of where I'm at for what you're watching.
1: Yeah, I have spent, uh, and I took a long time through the year to do it, um, but sadly, uh, I've referenced it a couple of times, Mary Tyler Moore, uh, who was my my very first crush when I was a wee lad, um, she passed away earlier this year, near the very beginning of the year, and so that prompted me to want to revisit, in total, The Dick Van Dyke Show, which um, I watched growing up, I loved. And it's, I, I've kind of spaced it out how much of that throughout the year. There's 158 episodes only in five seasons. Like every season is probably 31, 32 wow. episodes. Like like half hour? Or half like hour, 40, yeah. Half. Like 22 minutes. Right. You know? um, but one of the things that so impresses me about that, I love that show. And yeah. this big rewatch only further cemented and solidified how timeless and brilliant and amazing that show is. Because the comedy is still fresh, it's still funny, it's rooted in wit, and it's rooted in character. Uh, they very, very rarely, I mean, we're talking, this is the 60s, they very rarely do any sort of topical joke. Uh, of, I think in maybe in in all 158 episodes, they maybe made a dozen, I'm not joking, maybe a dozen like self-referential Things are going on in, in right, the world right. around him. It's all rooted in character dynamics. It's all rooted in family, work balance. Um, it's it's really strong. Uh, Rob and Laura Petrie are two of the greatest you know television creations because Rob, <coughs> as opposed to the uh, make room for Daddy, Ozzy and Harriet kind of thing, Rob like is very insecure, mm. and so he's constantly. Needing to like check in on how he's doing in his in his marriage or in his work life or anything like that and and uh, it, it's just a very refreshing show to watch it's like it's it's a full blown comfort show for me but sure. I just concluded that and it's
0: uh well let me ask you nice so to, like, so for for people interested in Black is just as a heads up it is available on Hulu does because I've. I I've never seen a Dick Van Dyke episode. Oh man! But I do have affection for him. I, I uh, to the extent I've seen her work, I do like her a lot. Is there any to your knowledge? Is there any streaming?
1: Netflix has the whole oh. show. Netflix oh, okay. has the whole show. Very yeah, cool. in good fact, that's that. where I watched it. I own the DVDs, but it was easier to just like sure. stream yeah, it all yeah. on Netflix. But oh, that's good uh, to know. Yeah. So good ne- to know. yeah, as of right now, Netflix has all five seasons, um, and they're great. I would recommend, as starting points, and maybe, uh, you know, because you and I are in the same room, I, I don't know, maybe before uh, your your trip ends, uh, I'll show you one of my favorite episodes. Um, but it's, yeah, it, it is... It is great. I would recommend an episode from season four called "The Ghost of a Chance." Uh, a Chance is a name, so it's a period Chance. Uh, the opener of season five, "Coast to Coast Big Mouth," is a wonderful. It, it may look like a walnut from season two, is absolutely fantastic. But yeah, there is so there is a multitude of wonderful shows. The entire show is epi- is is wonderful. Every episode is great. I think there are maybe three or four in the entire one hundred and fifty eight episode run that when I finished, I was like, eh, okay. Like right, they're right, all right, really, right. really strong. That's it's cool. very consistent. So, did so, yeah.
0: he have a creative hand in it?
1: Yes, very much so. Okay. Um, it was, it was Carl Reiner's creation. And uh, so, a brief bit of history: Carl Reiner um, created the show for himself as a vehicle for <clears> himself. <throat> and then, when they shot the as pilot, a yes. Okay. And when they shot the pilot, the show was called "The Head of the Family." And everybody, including Reiner, agreed, hey, the material's strong, the writing's strong, the problem is you. They're like, you, you are a bit caustic as a performer, a bit biting, and you need to be a little bit more likable. Um, a, few, a few situations progressed, and uh, Dick Van Dyke, as a performer, hit Carl Reiner's radar. So they gave him a shot at this right. Dick Van Dyke show. <clears throat> season one aired, and season one was liked, but it didn't have a lot of great ratings, so it, so it was canceled. And then Sheldon Leonard, uh, a producer for the show, went into the executives. He had a ton of clout from previous successes. And so he was like, give this show another chance. And so they gave it another chance. The second season ratings skyrocketed because people loved the first one. So when they heard it might get canceled, they all rallied behind it. Second season ratings skyrocketed and then it ran for five. And when it stopped, it stopped by... The creative's decision to stop it's it. Not, the best. Yeah, not because. And for a sitcom from the '60s, which is very episodic, it ends in such a way. Like the finale of it is very sort of, "Hey, I've been watching a complete cohesive story." Like right, cool. the the finale right, is right. very strong and conclusive, and leaves you feeling like, "Okay, that's it's finished. It's done." Uh, so yeah, I love it
0: and would recommend it to literally anybody. Well, and in. Um, uh In in the six degrees of fear of God, you know, Carl Reiner would be the father of Mr. Rob Reiner, exactly, uh, who directed multiple movies, but specifically as it relates to us, Misery, which we covered in I Love the Nineties, that's true, back in October, all the way back, was all the way back two whole months ago, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that has been another episode of.
1: What you watching, what you
0: reading, what you listening to. You don't hold your hands out and close your eyes when you do it. No. <laughs> That's why mine is What's so all over the you? place. I know. Oh, you lack man. the focus. <laughs> um, so let's, let's crack open this little storybook here and talk about... You want to cut it open with some scissors? Ah. Uh, I see what you did there. (laughs) Uh, uh, Jump into some Tim Burton. Jump into some
1: Edmonds. Whoa. Can we real quick before we do that? So I want to acknowledge. So um, maybe this is just in my head. Probably. Um, Listeners are probably going to. So Scary Burton Christmas. Tim Burton's made a multitude of films. Um, For our show, there's a couple of sort of no brainers that we're not doing. And so so I wanna kind of acknowledge like we're not doing them now,
0: but maybe we will at some point. We'll I mean the the marquee one we really wanted to tackle was Planet of the Apes. Right? Yes. Right, yes. Right, right. Planet of the so Apes. So that's next week.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um and then we're gonna and then we're gonna drill down on big eyes. And then <laughs> Big uh, Fish. No, Big he did, Eyes. He also did Big Fish, didn't he? He did also do Big Fish. Yeah, he's he got did, big eyes on Big Fish. I, big, big Eyes, eyes on, on Big, big fish. fish, yeah, exactly. He makes <laughs> a lot of movies. Finney, with, you know? He makes a lot of movies with B in the title. Batman, Batman Returns, Beetlejuice, Beetle Big Fish, Big Eyes. Corpse Bride.
0: Eb Ebwob Eb
1: Whoop. But Mars of backs <laughs> Wow. Um but no, wow. sincerely, like I just I just wanted to sort of call out
0: like does Batman and Batman turns count because it's the same word I mean technically it's being both <laughs> continue Richard.
1: so but you know like obviously uh, Sleepy Hollow and Sweeney Todd are two that you would think like oh those are those are sort of natural <coughs> ones to do we are bypassing those um, just Spoiler saving those no. for a later time yeah um, saving those for another time so a couple of them this one being one of them so we can get back into this film uh, a couple of them would be like Ah, is this a stretch? This is a little bit of a stretch for your show, being that it's you know supposed to be about the horror genre. I feel like, particularly with next week's episode, but but I think with this one as well, we'll be able to to bring you over to our side. But I just wanted some acknowledgement of like, yeah, Scary Burton Christmas. A couple of the ones we're doing are no brainers, but well, we're leaving I, some <clears throat> others on the table. I
0: mean, I feel like you're. Uh... I, I don't want it to feel like you're apologizing for a material here, but I do think, in general, just his tone and style, you know, call it horror, call it gothic, I mean, it just lends itself to these types of conversations. So yeah, I, I feel it's like all it of a... its fits very much in the wheelhouse of what we're doing.
1: Yeah, it's all of a macabre sensibility, with the exception macabre, of like- that has a B in it. It does with the exception of like a, a Mars attacks, which is sort of goofy sci-fi big fish and big eyes, which are a bit more dramatic. Yeah. They're, they're bigger. Um, but with with the exception of those, which are more lighthearted fare, um, everything, everything of his does have a bit of a macabre flavor to it. Um, so yeah, that, that kind of works in general, but I don't know, maybe that was unnecessary, but I just felt the need to acknowledge like, Hey, sleepy hollow and Sweeney Todd might be, uh, what some would consider no-brainer candidates. We're not blatantly ignoring them. We're just saving them for a later time and covering different ones this time around. And what are we covering this
0: week? Uh, Edward Scissorhams. <laughs> so you tried to do a B and, and oh, no, landed up work. with like an M. Yeah, or <laughs> Edward Scissorhams. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's... So so yeah, Scary Burton Christmas. This is what we're doing this December, uh, starting with chapter one here of Edward Scissorhams. I'll read did you have any specific trivial bits? The, yes. Oh, the bees. Um, so uh, You just made me think of Nicolas Cage's Wicker Man. I know. The bees.
1: <laughs> the, uh, the big thing that I would say for this one is, uh, so obviously the presence of Vincent Price as the inventor. He actually, this is, this is kind of sad, Vincent Price's role was supposed to be much larger. But because of his failing health at the time, they had to minimize those scenes, which is why there's only three brief scenes, only two of which he says anything in. Um, and, a, and a lot of that had to do with Vincent Price's uh, failing health at the time. But um, his presence <clears> on this really does uh, add, add a kind of a pedigree to everything that that Burton's doing. Um, he's, now of course, to, an icon to in, the jump in
0: here. I, just in my reading for Edward Scissorhands, um, they reference maybe in 82 or 84, I don't know if it was a short, called Vincent. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, uh, I yeah, yeah. Is directly meant to be a reference Yeah, oh game. yeah. Is he in it?
1: Uh, I believe he voices it. I believe he vocalizes so it. An it. An, it's a voiceover. Is it,
0: a, is it an animated thing?
1: It's been a, it's, it is animated. It's been a long time since sure, I've seen sure. it. Sure, um, sure. And uh, he, the main character in Frankenweenie is named Vincent. Okay. Um, and that's, I, I believe it's named Vincent. Now I'd have to look it up. As soon as I said it, I lost confidence in it. But the, um, but yeah, Vincent Price has been a, a tremendous influence on Burton. Um, uh, it was a huge inspiration to him. So the chance to get to work with him in Edward sure. Scissorhands was a very big deal to Burton. But I think just as the, the conversation about macabre uh, horror sensibilities, obviously Vincent Price is, a, is an icon in the horror industry, the horror genre, uh, a pioneer, if you will for early horror films. Uh, So his presence in Edward Scissorhands definitely adds a pedigree to everything. The other thing that I would say, and this is is perhaps going to sound a bit odd, and maybe not quite a trivial bit, but more just an observation. As I think about Burton's work in general, I'm sure we'll be talking about this over the course of the next few episodes, but Burton, as a creative artist, is... Unique. He's he's quirky. He's got a very distinctive sensibility, and I wonder if because he has cited Edward Scissorhands as his favorite film, so he's not he's not he's also acknowledged that he doesn't think it's the best film he's ever made. Well, but it's his favorite film. And to
0: add an adjective in there too, I didn't see favorite, but I did see most personal, like most
1: personal. Yeah, most exactly. And on this rewatch, I was looking at it, and I was like, you know what? Edward Scissorhands kind of resembles Burton. Right, right, right. He kind of looks just like him. The hands. Right, because Burton has that that deformity, you know. Uh, so, so um, you ever see promo shots of him that you don't see? His hands I, I know that's off, right. Off, that's right. Off camera. everybody's always signing his autographs for him, <laughs> you know. So, which you know, stay tuned for the autograph that I have of Tim Burton. But, um, oh but the uh, but no. So, sincerely, I think that like when I'm watching this, there's a lot to. Gosh, I don't even know if this is. Yeah, this would, trivial bits is probably the most appropriate place to say this. That, like. I was thinking about the fact of like Edwards Edwards art that he makes you know the 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 sculptures and uh, the things he does with the hair like it's quirky it's offbeat not not quite everybody understands it and and they don't quite know what to make of him and I wonder uh, Burton himself calling it out as a very personal work I wonder if that's very much what Burton like feels being a mainstream Hollywood director. Like, um, uh, what, you know, this is the kind of thing that I do, the kind of thing that I'm interested in. People like it, but then at the same time, some people
0: lampoon it. And, they, and well, I don't I know. Think, I think I would add a layer to that and say, remember that, like, your language just there of mainstream Hollywood director. Like, as of, so Batman predated Scissorhands by a year. Mm-hmm. but I don't think anyone expected Batman to do what it did. Sure. So I think, I think it might be a bit like us looking back can call him now. Oh, I mainstream see. Yeah. director, but I do think you're honing in on just in my reading too, in terms of that personal nature, it's more uh, Edward. The character is more reflective of his feelings as an adolescent, as mm. growing up in Southern California, but feeling like this outsider, like isolated and, you know, c- can't, make connections easily can't make sure, relationships sure. easily so i do think you're identifying something i don't know at least in my reading i don't know that i would apply the artistry element to it in other words people don't get my art and this is it but as more from a just personal dynamic like sure this is, this is an expression of how i have experienced my life mm, yeah you yeah know, And he, and as an artist of course edward plays out some of those tendencies, right. but more about just the relationship dynamic. Sure. Um, but I do think that's uh, a very interesting observation. Um, I, I found it very interesting just doing some digging on the history of the movie. A lot of the sort of names that were in the ring in terms of casting. So, um, gosh, who was, what was the studio? Warner brothers. No, it was Fox. Fox. Is yeah. This one, this one was um, his only film for right, Fox. I was going to say Batman is Warner brothers, but, um, Fox was insistent on him meeting with Tom Cruise really yeah which is funny because for Edward yes goodness so like my guess is he which is this is gonna sound really interesting and hopefully makes sense he probably thought of Tom Cruise then how I think of Johnny Depp now like it, it, he's too big it doesn't make sense oh you know right, I mean? like, right and I think he did have the meeting but ultimately was like it just it, it's it, not gonna, it, work, gonna work Right, right. but some other very interesting names that got thrown in the ring uh Gary Oldman and Tom Hanks both turned it down. Wow. Um, Hanks in favor of taking bonfire of the vanities, which was a bomb. <laughs> right. Interestingly, wow. Gary Oldman uh, declined saying he found the story absurd. But then when he finished, then when he watched the finished movie, his, he's quoted as saying literally two minutes in, I went, yeah, I get it. I just got it too late. Wow. <laughs> yeah, like, wow. like he just couldn't, Apparently, in script form, it was just really hard for people to kind of figure out what is what's he trying to this do. Doing right, Jim Carrey was considered. Uh, that would have the, been a mistake. The writer considered John Cusack. Um, hmm. Other interested parties were William Hurt, Robert Downey Jr., and Michael Jackson. Michael which would honestly make a lot of sense.
1: Michael honestly. Jackson is one of the most appropriate I know, of of I know, that I know. list. I, know. I was like, I could see that, and plus, you know, Michael, like. Edward Scissorhands, not to take away from Depp's performance, because I think Depp's performance is really strong in it, but it's uh, it's the kind of thing that I could see Michael, like, doing really well with oh, sure. as, as an actor, as a performer. Um, wow, that's so fascinating. I never knew about any of those names. Yeah. So that's
0: great. Um, well, uh, I think, you know, if unless you have other real specific... No, let's do it. ...bits to address, um, we can jump into this. So, for me personally, I... I had seen it. I don't remember when it was. Um, I had forgotten... Uh, I had forgotten the kind of storybook framing of it. And and so when on this rewatch... Was immediately like... Okay, cool. Right. That, 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 right. that makes right. any sense. Like... Mm-hmm. I think maybe going back into this watch... I was prepared... So, okay, well... A, a slight preface here... That will color some of this conversation. Um... I I, I don't say it with pride, but I'm pretty cynical about Burton these days. Hmm. I'm pretty cynical. I'm very cynical about Johnny Depp these days. So I was ready to be a little jaded towards it. Oh, sure. I see. Yeah. Um, so going into Edward Scissorhands specifically, I not remembering some of the framing elements. I was like, what, what are we about? uh, You know, what what are we, what am I about to rewatch? I don't remember. So the minute it introduces that sort of storybook frame, I was like, okay, okay, cool. Let's, let's do this. um, and and so it was just really kind of swept up in it, and what is nice to feel. Um, it, I would almost say in two thousand seventeen right now, I actively dislike and don't don't pursue watching Johnny Depp on screen. Interesting. Um, as a random aside, um, I don't think it's a very good movie and it might not even be a good movie, but I did because of my Potter affection, see fantastic beasts.
1: Oh, okay. um, sure. it's,
0: it's, it's a bit clunky and bloated, but, uh, did you see it? Oh yes. Yeah yeah. 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 I know where you're going. Right. So, um, Colin Farrell is in it. I do like Colin Farrell and something happens in the course of the movie where depth, shows up and and what sure. you realize is depth's going to be very important to this sequence of film. Sure, right, right. I like I can't tell you how disheartened I was <laughs> when it happens in the movie. I was like, "Oh. Oh, no. wow. I yes. mean, it was it yeah. was a very palpable feeling that occurred. Wow. Because in the course of the movie Farrell's character gets taken out by a certain means, which means he's not going to be in anymore. Sure, and right, so it was right, re- right. that was part of it. It wasn't just that Depp shows up. It was yeah. that you took out someone I actually like as a performer. Right, would be right. interested in seeing more develop, of sure. Um, right, right, right. Favor of Depp. So yes, I, 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 will own my, you know, sort of cynicism here, but what, but to, to counterpoint that it is, Fascinating, almost from just an academic standpoint, but definitely from a, a, a movie viewer kind of emotional standpoint to watch what is Ground Zero for their for their relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, this was
1: their first collaboration,
0: and so in the spirit of that, knowing I was coming with a bit of a cynical eye, I was very taken with it. Yeah, like mm-hmm. like it really uh, using that snow imagery melted the ice, if you will. <laughs>
1: like, I
0: mean, his. I do have other likes and dislikes, but I want to hone in. I mean, watching Depp in this role is like, yeah, no wonder you became what you became. Sure. Because it's fantastic. Right. Like he, he does so much with so little. Mm-hmm. Um, what I, what I actually wrote down is, um, uh, he, I, I love how he embodies the character instead of what it feels like these days. And, and you know, look at Jack Sparrow Look at just—I mean, gosh—recent Burton collaborations. Um, I, I wouldn't—I wouldn't necessarily put maybe Sweeney Todd in this camp, but um, where it feels like the character is just another costume piece. Sure, right. It, it doesn't feel—it doesn't feel real, mm. um, you know. And 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 maybe in that initial entry of Pirates, Sparrow. If I were to rewatch that, I'd be more generous towards it. But subsequent,
1: do you I've, not like Curse of the Black Pearl? Which one is that? That's the I very first one. That. Okay, no, yeah. I do. That's what yeah. I'm saying. I oh. do like
0: that, but it became. I love so, that movie. Yeah, yeah, but, but the further it's gone.
1: Oh yeah. The less. Starting with the second one, I don't care for them anymore. Yeah, but but that, I remember. That act- first one. I remember
0: actively. going go! I remember going to see the second one in the theater, and when it ends, being like, uh, I'm very mad. No, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, Wow, wow, wow! You know, it was one of those first movie productions that shot both at the same time and right. Two and three. Ends, right Like I felt cheated. Oh, I was like, I you just showed me a two hour commercial for another movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, that, I don't mean to go down too, too far down that trail, but it is fascinating watching the Johnny Depp of today versus the Johnny Depp of 1990. Right. And, and right. seeing, wow, man, you, you, you are talented. <laughs> Like it's in oh, yeah. there, and and it comes out just in in, l- in lovely. It's a lovely performance. Oh
1: yeah, um, yeah.
0: Even things like I love, and I I part of me hopes this was a performer thing, though I imagine it's a bit collaborative. I love the fact that the the fingers are always moving. Mm-hmm. I love that it's just always in motion. Right, right. Because it just adds. I don't know. It adds an interesting note it adds it adds character flavor sure yeah like he is anxious about the world mm-hmm. and and this is represented you know some people fidget right some people bite their nails like he's just constantly moving these yeah. these blades um which is pretty cool what what are some so likes, dislikes on your
1: end? I, I love the fable quality of the story um i feel like a lot of burton's work could be stretched into that category but this is unquestionably a textbook genre fable or storybook or storybook genre fable so i love that nature of it one thing that i was really taken with is just the um I- i'm going to call it the gentle tone of 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 everything mm-hmm. about it um so much of it could have been i think even even when it skirts with things like uh, the housewife who kind of accosts him in the the back room of that mm-hmm. that shop, um, and even with things like there, there is a murder on screen. Right. Towards the end, we'll we'll get there in a second. But like, yeah. I, I think even in things like that, everything, ironically, I felt this way. I feel like everything is handled so gently. Right. Right. And uh, to the, to the degree that uh what I'm seeing is uh, like there's a there's a cognitive dissonance about like wow,'m I'm, I'm watching a very uncomfortable sort of like uh, uh, reverse harassment thing happening. and then at, at later in the end, I'm watching an act of murderous violence, but it but it all still right. uh, sort of feels fantastical. It's sure, not sure. delightful, but it feels. Um, of a piece where I, I, I keep coming back to that word where it's just it's delicately yeah. handled yeah. Um, and uh, and so yeah I just I really was struck by that I also love the humor in it mm. the the uh, sort of just bypassing quick little moments like Alan Arkin singing on the on the right, roof right. you know while devastating things are happening on the ground below and, and so many of the so many of the lines like the neighbors all the neighbors all showing up and they're they're like Oh yeah, so so. What time is the barbecue? Say around five. Right, you know, and right, she's like, right, uh, right. Uh, "Al or Bill?" What well, is that character's name? Bill. There yeah.
0: is such a rhythm, and I would be hesitant to describe this movie as a comedy, but he does have a real knack for rhythm and pace and and tone and tempo you know, there's, there's almost a musicality to the proceedings. Sure. And and to your use of the word gentle, like there's this kind of fragile, delicate kind of thing that runs through it. And this flirts with a little bit of themes, but, uh, the nature of a character with scissors for hands, which is, uh, in whom that character is not meant to be a horrific character. Right. Right. So that, even just that just you know decisive creative choice means we're always a little on edge right you know right because of the nature of his i guess you call it deformity um so yeah i'm with you on that um i had just
1: i had just one final like dislike is um i think that in general the the atmosphere of the suburban of the suburban landscape mm-hmm. which is ironic cuz i think it's an actual place yes. i think it's a place yes. down in burbank yeah. you know and no, it's,
0: actually it's in florida oh it's in
1: florida yeah. okay um but so so it's an actual place but it feels so fabricated it, but what was impressive to me about it is it naturally feels sort of non-realistic but very evocative of a reality sure so so it feels just like the stereotype of suburbia but um you know at the same time you recognize like okay well people's houses don't look just like that but man it sure it sure feels like they look like that it sure feels like that's what it is to sit in that bedroom or to sit in that living room or or something and just the overall atmosphere of it and i think i had read somewhere in my research that the reason that the suburban neighborhood looked so fantastical is that Burton wanted the entire film to feel like it was through Edward's eyes Hmm. and that because it was largely from Edward's perspective, they wanted that fantastical nature to, to come through still. So, but, but that's, that's my, my last sort
0: of major like, well, and, and I hadn't read that notion about it being through his eyes, although that could make some sense if all he's known are, Blacks and grays and whites. That when he's encountered when he encounters color, it's even more bold and right. And, but right. but it also does play into that sort of storybook kind of fantastical. Interestingly, so yeah, they considered Burbank, but ended up shooting in Florida. Um, they found this neighborhood and what they opted to do. So they painted all the homes, and hmm. it was four specific colors that they ultimately chose for all the houses. The first was Seafoam Green. The second was Dirty Flesh. Dirty Flesh? Dirty Flesh. Wow. The third was Butter. Oh, and wow. And the fourth was Dirty Blue, where the color was the color palette. Oh, my gosh. They went gosh. For, for this neighborhood. It's really fascinating. Wow. Well, and and I think that, too, is what I, in, in, in trying to, although it may have sounded, you know, um, like a backhanded one, in trying to compliment Burton, like, he does have such a unique and imaginative sensibility. And so when you see that, in its kind of purest form it's really it's really kind of wondrous to watch play out um a couple of random specific to the movie likes um i love this is going to be so random if people don't know me i love that edward is discovered by a direct salesperson oh
1: yes Uh, my my, (laughs)
0: my you know occupational world these days is with a direct sales company, so I just love that it, that's how he enters the story. Um, <laughs> I love the scene when Winona Ryder comes home and that just this comic... Oh, the bed? Oh, the waterbed. Oh, my bed gosh. And, um, it just really... It really lands re- very well. Well,
1: and how almost Looney Tunes it all is when they're trying to get, like, then suddenly Bill's trying to usher him into the bathroom, and, yeah, and the yeah.
0: mom's trying to calm her down and everything. It's, it's... He's almost got an ET-like quality to him. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Man. Absolutely. Speaking of... Th- okay, I had this thought a minute ago, and I forgot it, and i got it back. I wasn't thinking about this in the watching of it, and then I read allusions to it, and it made perfect sense. Like so I don't know if you picked up on this though. My guess is I'll say this and you'll be like, yeah, of course. But reading about it, suddenly it all came through very clearly that it is a very Frankensteinian film. Like, oh yes. You know, yes. Very outsider character trying yeah. to acculturate, if at all, trying to connect, mm-hmm. um, and, and just failing. And he's know. a, he's a creation. Yes. So, yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Even more taking that uh step further. Um, I did want to, uh, again, this flirts a little bit with where I'm going with themes, but I adore Diane Wiest in this movie. She's wonderful. Yeah. She's delightful. It is is such, it's such a graceful character. Oh, Um, definitely. Yeah. Even though a bit eccentric, a bit kind of quirky, I mean, down to scenes when she's, pulling edward from kevin or or vice versa you know the the attack that happens late in the film i don't know if you picked up on this she's as as the mob is encroaching and they're pulling kevin away she's calling to edward come home come home like there's just no yes animus there's no right right you know you you never sense disheartenment disappointment right um judgment yeah yeah yeah. it's just a really beautiful portrayal um that's kind of what I've got for kind of likes, dislikes. Uh, we can move into some scare, scary stuff. Scary. Um, I think I'll tackle... To me, to me I alluded to this a minute ago, kind of the scariest factor, I think, to the movie is just inherent in the title. You know, when your mm. protagonist has scissors for hands, every scene is fraught with danger. Right, you know? right, Be- right. And, and, and again, invoking that kind of delicate nature... And and it goes there. These are either instruments or they are weapons. Right. And in this movie right. they end up being both. Yes. Yeah, you know, they're instruments yes. for the 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 hedge trimming and the sculpturing and the haircutting, and then they are weapons in the both whether it's the accidental attack on Kevin or you know, the killing of what's his face at the end, Jim. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what is nice about the movie is it never lets you forget that with these random little moments that happen. Like I think when Edward, yeah, the first sort of invocation of the snow imagery when she comes out and is kind of dancing in the yard uh, when he's at work on that ice sculpture and he accidentally slashes her hand. Oh you yes, so that yes. happens, and it happens earlier too. Something more minor, right? Right. The point I'm trying to make is it it, um, the, the movie will keep you aware. Like, don't forget this yep. guy has scissors for hands. Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. So to me, that while not a quote unquote horror movie in the traditional sense, from the from the opening minute until the closing credit. You just don't know, yeah. What's going to happen? Sure. Um, anyway, so that's that's one I would I would have.
1: Yeah, I would echo that as well. The 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 idea. So I'm going to mention this as a scare overall, um, but it's me. It's not something that I think people.
0: You're not scary, Reid. Uh,
1: this scares me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it and and it's bordering on theme. So I'm going to hit it. I'm going to hit it and run. Um, the notion. That this person... Because Edward has zero intention to harm anyone. Sure. Ever. It is a function of his design that he is only capable of interacting in certain ways. And something that, for me as an individual, is a cyclical, sometimes consistent point of frustration is when... I have every good intention, but for some mm, reason, like, yeah. I do this thing and, like, holy crap, I just slashed right. the waterbed. Wow. I didn't, like, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize, I didn't mean to do that. Right. Um, it's my hands. Yeah, yeah. It's- and uh, But the, but this notion of, and that, that's why it's so pivotal that, like, the scissors are on his hands. Like, right. what he does, it's the things, it's the actions that he takes that... Some people, you know, sometimes he does something and people are very impressed and they love it. And that's the most glorious experience that I've ever had. But it's a truly scary thing to me. Um, And this film sort of brushed, you know, I'm not going to get into meta stuff that's going on in my life right now, but there there are seasons that I go through where I do feel very inept. Like, good Lord, I cannot put my hand to anything without making something
0: worse. Well, and that notion that how you interact with the world mm-hmm. is through your hands. Like, right. You observe it with your eyes. Right. But you engage it with your hands. With your hands, yes. And 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 which is why, though slightly comic, even scenes like him trying to eat are kind of heartbreaking. Right, you know, like, right. Like, how right. does this person just interact with the world? Right. And... and you know, I think I think that's what's fascinating about the movie is something that is subconscious to just the human experience, which is right putting your hands to a thing. You know, folding laundry, uh, you know, cooking dinner, uh, driving your car, like just think all these things that require the use of your hands. Right, which is why when I sang what you're watching, I was doing my hands. <laughs> you. That's the, whole, where that's the whole reason. That's yeah, all exactly, exactly. That's, that's what it is. Um, is did you want to say more about that or or uh, like no because
1: that 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 will likely come back up when we talk about themes so let's sure. let's hit and run it for right now i had just two more scary moments but i'll defer back to you for a moment
0: um i think to me honestly like what i wrote down is the neighborhood folk themselves like mm. I, I i i was relatively fortunate to not I mean like every adolescent you feel some sense of isolation and that sort of thing I, it was never quite so profound as what clearly Burton experienced and definitely what's on display in Edward Scissorhands the movie but Right. I I so detest that sort of busybody spirit and maybe that's just personal sort of yeah. observance and experience of church world and life and that sort of thing like like, I see them gathering, like, clucking hens, and immediately I'm judgmental. And, like, oh, sure. y'all are the villains.
1: Well, like, the, the the phone call trail of, like, yes, oh, yeah, yes, you know, I Which saw somebody... Which is comic like, in a sense. Right, right. But it's
0: also, like, to me, this sinister, nefarious kind of sure, thing. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, and I do think that's what's sort of fascinating about this movie. Even in a way that I don't know that Frankenstein does or, or more traditional sort of Frankenstein type stories do like the normal people who are just living in their world expunge the, the different. Right. And that is sort of a, that to me is kind of the frightening element. Like, sure. Again, not getting too close to themes. Well, uh, the,
1: yeah. Yeah. Cause the, 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 a just singular thought on that is because they define what's normal. Yes.
0: Yes. Because yeah, 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 they de- yeah. they
1: define what's normal, and therefore they define what's allowed. Right. They they define what is permissible. You know, so yeah.
0: Um, I think to me, I wrote down it's not so much scary as just tragic. But the inventor dying as he's presenting Ed with the hands. Yes. Um, and and even the way that shot though, uh, I don't know if you recall this, but the image of the the shot is on Edward with the hands in the foreground, and they him in reaching for the the inventor scissors through this sort of plastic rubbery sort of whatever right. the hands are made of it's just really a grotesque image it works sure um, right I mean, oh it's, yes it's, yes you know it's hard to watch because you're so kind of broken-hearted for what is happening sure of course um, and it's very effectively sort of rendered on screen
1: yeah i, I, I totally agree I um uh, we alluded to it a little bit earlier but I was genuinely quite shocked uh when Jim's murder yeah. I I had forgotten that that was an element of it and I was sitting there wondering I was like what is about to happen how is this going to resolve mm-hmm. you know the, the whole climax um, I was like I, I don't remember what happens because it had been years since I'd seen sure. the movie so I was like I, do, I don't know so when I'm glad I'm not the
0: only one who doesn't ever remember
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, Yeah. so when Edward un- understandably based on what's going on I mean Jim is a is physically attacking right. uh, Winona writer's character, who I, I can't recall her name at the moment. Um, but, uh, Kim. Kim. No? Yeah, Kim. That was, that was making a strange... Oh, that's reference. right. We we have we have engaged with a lot of Winona Ryder yes, material yes. recently. Um, but, the... Uh, so, Jim is physically attacking Kim and so I understand why Edward reaches in and, and full-blown kills him. But it's still a shock. It's sure. still like, oh man, he just totally like now he's he just straight up killed right, him. Right, he right. knows what his hands can do at that point. He just he just straight up killed him. So that that was shocking and kind of startling to me anytime he gets mad. So when he gets mad and starts acting out slashing the tire, right, right. chopping the leg off the sculpture, things like that. Um, that that elicited a certain degree of anxiety in me because I'm because what I'm sitting here feeling is not like oh he's dangerous and needs to be put down. No. It, it's this oh don't please yeah because yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like you're gonna go too far you're gonna perpetuate the fear you're gonna right, just, right, you know right. you're you're mad you're upset you're emotionally for and so now you're gonna go through and do all these things that are gonna give Friendly, people he's Jewish too <laughs> exactly <laughs> oi so um, but no so sincerely he he's doing all these things just acting out of the emotion that he can't contain anymore. Right. But by doing these things, that's what's, that's, that I find genuinely scary about it. Cause, cause I'm just, you and I have had off pod conversations about those moments when you're just desperate for somebody to understand your situation. Right. Desperate for somebody right. to understand your perspective, for somebody to look at you and go like, Hey, like, like, uh diane Weist's character where it's like no just just come home like somebody who's going to be non-judgmental who's going to be inviting she says it's tender and this is not in scares but it's so tender when she says when i brought edward home i didn't think things through i didn't think what could happen i didn't think what could happen to him you know and and so at
0: first and what's fascinating about that to cut you off very rudely um what's fascinating about that as you just alluded to even that is not said in a sense of self-preservation. No, no, it's,
1: very it's for him. Tender. Yes, yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. But um, so th- that entire notion, I'm just going to go ahead and because I, I don't know how much of this I will even hint at or allude to when we talk about themes. But I mean, we can go there if that's. But yeah, th- this the movie in the watching of it. This happens to us sometimes, listeners. Um, this happens to us sometimes. I was watching the film and I loved it. And I was sitting there watching it, and I was getting a little emotional, and what I thought I was getting a little emotional at, I couldn't put words around or couldn't put, put ideas around. But then, you and I sit down, and 30 minutes into the conversation, suddenly, like, genuine emotion is beginning to well up because I'm like, oh, that's what I was connecting to. And sure. I, did, I didn't realize that that was what I was connecting to. But um, And I'm, I'm not going to go into a ton of, of meta stuff about what's happening in my life, but I, I'll just say, uh, confessionally, I'm going through a season right now where I feel like... In my life, I've got scissors for hands, sure. and I feel like every time I try to do something that I think is what's being asked of me or what's required of me in the moment, I'm only making things worse. Sure, sure. And uh, that's a really—I'm not i am not the only person to experience that. Maybe right. most of our listeners right. are going through similar seasons or something. But when you go through a season like that, it's painful and it's—it's it's heartbreaking. What you come become desperate for is for somebody to say, "Hey." <laughs> I understand. I understand your limitations. Right. right I understand right, right, right. that you know that you're working with scissors for hands or sure, you're working sure, with sure. you know with only this much or or at the very least like I understand what you're trying to do. Sure. Even if somebody were instructive, like, hey, I understand what you're trying to do. You can't do that with scissors for hands. (laughs) Like, you know, like you're not going to get there in that in that vein. Um, So you just get desperate for some sort of compassionate understanding voice. That's not going to just be like you have the mark of Satan like that. other, Or or, there's something off about that guy or he's dangerous or drop your weapons or any any of that sort of stuff. Um, And uh, and so it's really sort of. In, like real time in this conversation it's starting to dredge up things that even in the viewing of it i couldn't quite articulate what I was connecting to right but but that sense of i don't know how to be in the world and i don't know how to i do this one thing and everybody raves over it and everybody loves it and then i use the same hands to do this other thing and sure. everybody's freaking out and i that's don't know it's good right and, and,
0: well.
1: <laughs> and so it's it's one of those things where I just like it, it, it's hard, and I and I I feel for for Edward, but but
0: in well, and also what's fascinating on that track, what's fascinating in the movie, like to to empathize with and sort of encourage you, like what Edward lacks in addition to the faculty to perform these basic tasks is the emotional intelligence to understand right and, and articulate those feelings attached to it. Sure. Absolutely. You know, cause, cause when you said about the impetus for his murdering of Jim, like I almost reject the notion. It wasn't a strong feeling, but it was like, I don't even totally know that he knows what he's doing there. You know what I mean? Oh, like, I see. Like, right. Right. I think, I think it's pure reaction. I, I, I would hazard, a, you know, if we're just sort of speculating about narrative ideas, I don't know that the necessary, necessary intention is to kill. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I could sort of see both sides of that.
1: He is fascinated by the blood. Like he looks up and sure. he's like, there's, yeah. there's blood yeah. on my, yeah. on my hands. And, and so, yeah, that's, so yeah, I, I would, I would go with that. Cause yeah. I, yeah, I do think that there's uh, still some naivete. He's never done that right. before. Right. And, um, you know, another another sort of heartbreaking moment in that same tract. I'm thinking of the times like where there was just an accident. It's comical with the waterbed. It's purely accidental with slicing one on a rider's hand. But then uh, when he's, oh gosh, what's their son's Kevin. name? Kevin. When, you know, he's just trying to, Oof, like, oh, are you okay? Are you terrible. okay? And, and it's just, yeah, we as the viewer know there is zero intent to harm right, with right, what he's doing. Right. The, zero. But... He can't even can't even reach for him. Right. And then, like, when he when he first sees Diane Weest and what he says to her is, "I'm not finished." Like, mm. wow. That notion of I'm I'm not I complete. I yeah. yeah. Uh. Like I'm and you you know listeners may not be able to hear to my voice but I'm starting to get a little emotional like that notion of like I'm not I'm not complete yet. Right. I'm not the whole. Not done. No. Yeah. And the work's not done but the person who can do the work is not going to finish it right right like, not right, yet you right. know like he he's he's in this situation this is going to be sure you know they they consult a doctor they do you know all this other sort of stuff like he's he's stuck in this place but just that that feeling of i am not i'm not complete i'm not whole i have to find a way to be in this world with potential Weapons of destruction on my hands, but with nothing but intention to do good and and a gentle spirit or or a kind heart, and uh, and and it is it's a uh, this is a, this is a sad movie.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: um, I, I, I want to address uh, what you're saying, though I do have some thematic stuff to bring in too. I. I Unexpectedly, I love I love those moments, and and uh, listeners won't know this. This might happen twenty five to fifty percent of the time, where we stumble into something some that some we want. Yeah. Um, but you know what is fascinating about the language you were just using, and I think the movie utilizes intentionally. Uh, I will take and apply to our broader faith context and use some uh, use some scripture here that uh in in uh you may know where I'm going with this in Philippians one where Paul says, I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this that he who began a good work in you mm. will carry it on into completion. Right. And and I don't know, like you you identifying that language of I'm not finished mm-hmm. and and in the context of the film, he won't be.
1: Sure in the context
0: of our lives in the context of our faith we will be right and what a powerful statement not uh, of two things one our value to our creator Mm. and -hmm. inventor and his grace and love towards us sure you know and just sort of what what a beautiful image that is and who knew? Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> um, I, I do you have any uh, trailing uh, thoughts on that specific topic? I do have I, a couple of thoughts I want to introduce. Yeah. I,
1: before I bounce it back over to you, what I thought of, and I didn't think of it until we we're in the midst of the conversation, but I, I thought of two things, uh, and this will probably wrap a bow on my thematic exploration, which will free us up to, to go where, where your thoughts carried you. Um, two passages of scripture. One is in Romans chapter seven. It's very familiar, usually spoken of in context of sin, but it says, um, Romans chapter seven, uh, verse 18 says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now that's talking about sin, specifically. But the other thing that I thought of is in conjunction with when the burning God through the burning bush asked Moses to go lead the people out of Israel. And Moses kept talking about, I I, I can't do that. Like, I can't, I can't uh, speak well. They're not going to believe me. Like he gives all these excuses. And Exodus chapter four, uh, verse two, I'm going to just read two quick verses. Exodus chapter four, verse two, the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? So he's talking about his staff, but, sure, sure. but, but what, what have you been given? You know, what, what is on your person? And then I, I love in verse 11 on down there after Moses says, I can't speak well, the Lord says to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Hmm. This notion, piggybacking on your will follow it through to completion, We can easily, I know I can easily look at, hey, I have not been given the capacity to do what I want to do Mm -hmm. with what my efforts are trying to take me there. Um, I can't do it. I'm not capable of doing it. Um, To which I think most frequently, uh, if he's not wishing I would go in a completely different direction, which is entirely possible, the Lord may be saying to me, like, who gave you what you're working with? Right, right. I will help stop trying to stop trying to do it all yourself like i will follow this through to completion let it run its course let you have let let it have these moments and i will be attentive to the good work that i began in you because who made men's mouths who who essentially gave you what you're working with so it's it's comforting and encouraging to think about that context in that perspective
0: um i mean i think that's a very powerful thread to pull out of there and i think it's I think it's very much there and will mean a potentially strong substance score for, <laughs> um, for me personally, I think I was just so moved. I've referenced this already, but, and, and maybe, maybe she started on the right foot in this direct sales thread, but I was just so moved by Diane Wee's character. I think, yeah. I think it's so rare to see, uh, now now we're playing with a a fantastical sort of palette so things can be a bit broader can can be a little less sort of quote-unquote real world sure um but it's so rare to see a a, a sort of non-aslan-esque character who's so like a human character in a film in a story that is so compassionate and just kind and generous but that kind of exists in a real context Sure. Does that make sense? Yes. Like it's it's heightened for this movie, but it's a neighborhood. It is the interactions and dynamics of that very much context we can relate to, Mm -hmm. and it's just this person who continues to be be kind. And actually, one thing I wrote down is even more fascinatingly is she's a makeup artist, and what that to me was is indicative of is theoretically she should be the one with the least amount of depth,
1: Mm, you know,
0: like very concerned with appearance and aesthetic and and this sort of thing. And yet it really is all of the other denizens of this neighborhood who are the least who are the most skin deep, if right, you will. Right. Um so I don't know, I was really fascinated with that sort of approach. And on top of that, just really moved by her um kind of welcoming the stranger. Yeah. Um, right. And yeah. what I wrote down is like <laughs> You, you made the point earlier that, that the, the neighborhood itself determines the rules for normal, and thus, if you don't meet those rules, you kind of get spat back out. But, to me, such a huge facet of our current culture and climate, and maybe it's been like this for a very long time, we just live in a louder society, but welcoming the stranger is always and inherently and only ever going to involve risk. Like, right, it just right. is. And, and I think we're so scared of the different that we never take any chance. And right. we fail miserably mm. at one of the core tenets of our calling, right. our faith, right. which is to, 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 you know, clothe the widow and orphan, to feed the stranger, to welcome the foreigner. Like, right. my goodness. You know, like, it is going to inherently involve discomfort and inconvenience. Yeah, it will. And, you know, what's scary to me is how often it is people of faith who will reject the stranger and the foreigner. Right, right, right. Um, You know, simply because of fear of risk.
1: Sure. Which is not and I know you would echo this, it's not new. I mean, Jesus addressed it in the Good Samaritan. The sure. priest and the Levite are the ones who walked by. Right. So, so it's not a, you know, I don't think that you were going here, but just to put it out there that it's easy to, you know, denounce the times sure, sure. about things that have always kind of been the dynamic. Right. That, right. That, that those who feel of themselves righteous are frequently the most prone and prominent to ignore the need. Right, um, and and we see that play out in biblical times. That continues to manifest itself today. Um, yes, it is disheartening to recognize that the the people of faith, who our King has commissioned us to be welcoming and to be inviting, right, um, are are frequently the ones who are like no and and hold off.
0: Um, and yes. I just don't. I, I I being utterly frank, I just don't understand. I yeah, mean, truly. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to suggest, like, in the face of, oh, okay, Nathan, well, are you taking in every. You know, like, I don't don't mean to suggest I'm getting it perfectly.
1: We never advocate recklessness. Right. We Uh, never
0: have. But even just on a theoretical level, I don't understand how we so fail every every time. That's a strong word. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. We just, on an almost blanket level, do not get this one right.
1: I agree. I agree. And it's something that even when the stranger, like, it, it's one thing. Well, look in this film. Who is the immediate, while everybody else is fascinated by him, who's the immediate proponent of Edward's presence in the neighborhood? It's the admittedly heightened and uh, hyperbolic religious figure. The uh, opponent. Uh, uh, did I say proponent? Mm-hmm. My apologies. Yeah, I mean opponent um of being of Edward's presence there right. is the woman who is like he's got the mark of satan on sure, him sure. and and it's a couple of times played for some comic effect because it's you know she's got this silly right, right, sort right. of demeanor to her she herself is a bit odd and quirky but uh yeah she supposedly representing a righteous platform is the first to sure. to to reject. reject him um and yeah i i feel like that is that is why it is it is equally detrimental to the gospel to uh be rebellious or to be religious it is equal and, and what i mean by religious is you know the the dependent upon your religious system to save you right, right right um i think it is equally detrimental to the gospel to be rebellious to ignore and to to kick against everything and then it it is also detrimental to feel so secured in your systematized uh, religion that you ignore the calling of the gospel. I sure. think that's. I think that Christ is intending to reconcile all lost in either extreme. Right, right. Back to the heart of the Father. Um, Except those people. <laughs> right. We know who you know who you are. Um, <laughs> but no, it, sincerely. The Lord does too. <laughs> <laughs> sincerely, though, uh, that that is. It's something that, quite frankly, we need the grace of God. We need the heart of the gospel to infuse into our spirits once again and open our eyes, let the scales fall off and open our eyes to the need and the stranger and, uh, in any capacity, the, the welcoming of the other, as it were, because that is... Largely, who the Lord wants to graft back in, right, right. that that's the through line uh, through the the scriptures is that we all have been separated and are being grafted back in to community with the Father, sure and um so yeah, it, it is distressing and it is it is a good reminder, a refreshing reminder that we we must take hold of that heart of the gospel once again mm-hmm. and and be. Attentive. If not, you know, uh, like you mentioned, other people may object and say, "Well, are you going to invite these people in your home and everything?" A- a- again, like it doesn't necessarily mean, uh, you know, seek the Lord and and then it's about obedience. Once the Lord gives you a calling, one way or another, but it doesn't always mean, "Hey, you have to uh, literally give everything and put your family." At, right, right. At, you know, at great risk and everything like that. There's sensitivity there. Um, but even in those contexts, uh, what bothers me is the unwelcoming attitude. Right, right. Sure. The, the, the unwelcoming or, or rejecting demeanor that people uh, adopt. Uh, even if they are not at liberty because of situation or because of concern or whatever, to to actually substantially do something for this person. Sure, sure. Um, if they're not in a position to be able to do something like that, um, they could at least make a connection. They could at least try to, or at the very least, have a perspective of saying, hey, I, I really would love to do something for this. Lord, is there something I can do? Or, or something like that. But that's just not the attitude that they have. Sure. It's the not my problem, move along um and and that's what's most disheartening about that kind of thing because and to to connect my thoughts and your thoughts together um the reason that's so detrimental to us is because whether we admit it or not we're Edward right right we will have a season where we are Edward right and um and just as Christ said what you do to the least of these you do to to me th- th- you're gonna be a least of these at some point sure, in your sure, life sure and so it's one of those things where we we are rejecting ourselves to a capacity when we when we do that right. and and that's the real profound mystery of the community of the gospel is that in rejecting the other we frequently reject ourselves hmm. and uh, reject angels unawares and there's a multitude of scriptures about about those kinds of things sure. but um, but yeah it's i love this movie
0: <laughs> well in the spirit of that segue how about we uh welcome and and in the spirit of welcoming the uh, the, the other the other yeah. definite other uh let's bring all <laughs> david s pumpkins into the mix here let's do um, it um you, you know how we measure these things style substance style scare substance So, read on the david s pumpkins scale how are you going to rate Uh, 1990s Tim Burton's Edward Scissorhands in terms of style so
1: part of me because of this recent conversation just wants to give it a five I think if I'm being objective and honest um, I think I'm gonna land at a four Um, this particular viewing perhaps seasonal to my personal life uh, really hit me harder than I think others but I think the long-term assessment of it, I think I would land at a four for general style. It is, a, it is a beautiful, you know. Like we start talking about a four, like that's, like that's a bad right now, you know, know. Like four, know. four is near the top, but, but yes. Yeah, so well, which is funny because so
0: for me, I think I would have gone into the viewing anticipating like a three, ah. uh, just for reasons I described. But, but it was nice to be reminded of some affection for it. It is, um. I'm gonna give it a four. It's. I wouldn't say that I love this movie. Sure. I would say, wow, that is better than I remembered. It is a strong entry. I would happily rewatch that again at some point. Sure, sure, really, sure, sure, sure. It's got a lot going for it. Yeah. Um, in terms of scares, for me, this would come down a little lower. Um, I, I do think, like I said, there there is something fraught about just the very nature of his character and the character design and the title of the movie. So. I think inherently there's going to be some generosity there, but it would probably still land at about a three.
1: Okay. In terms of scares, Um, for me, I'm actually going to go a little bit lower than that because I think the the um, yes, the the scares are of a more sort of metaphorical nature rather than actual you know fright factor in the film. There's there's no way this is going to give anybody any nightmares. Um, So so I'm going to land on a two for scares. Um, For substance. this, this one's tough because, yeah, I feel as a metaphorical and allegorical fable, there are a multitude of things to, to extrapolate. So I, I don't even feel the need to qualify a five. It's, mm. it's, it's a five for me for substance. I feel like there's a lot here, and it is a near— Sure. What I would ding on style for our specific metric, what I would severely detriment for scares— it more than makes up for in the the metaphor and the fable and the allegory that is at play in right, the story. Right. And so... Well, so and I think, too, like, I'm
0: going to land on a four for substance. I think, you know, we often talk about what we bring to a thing versus what it actually has there. Um, it is clear why this is a personal film to Burton, um, because there's just a... There is a lot infused into it. And the inherent nature of kind of fable storytelling is sure, going to right. have a, a sort of moralistic kind of tone absolutely, um, and thus have a lot of substance to it. Um, so where that lands us for Edward Scissorhands and our first entry in a scary Burton Christmas um, is a seven on the David S. Pumpkins meter, which is commendable. It's a, a good rating. It's a good rating. Yes. Um, so yeah, that has been Edward Scissorhands. Welcome to this brand new series. Everyone. Welcome to December 2017, we will join you there shortly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and read what are our social media cues so they know where to find us and where sure. to talk about us?
1: Sure, because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. Um, you can reach out to us the easiest and best way is through Twitter, Nathan, our Twitter handle.
0: At the fear of
1: God. You can also like us on Facebook, comment on our posts there, or leave a post there yourself. Like us, follow us. You can email us, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. You can also go to morethanonelesson.com to leave a comment on this post or any of the other official posts. You can also follow me on Twitter at Reed Lackey. And Nathan, where can they follow you on Twitter besides the fear of God? At the Nathan Rouse. And last but certainly not least, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate an iTunes rating or review. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining us for this series, for allowing us to kind of vaguely consider Edward Scissorhands horror yeah i'll go there
0: well it's it's a stronger contender than next week's might ostensibly be (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) so yeah we are in the in the throes of scary burton christmas uh check out social media to find out where we're going next week for this one um nathan thank you so much for having this conversation with me man i appreciate it happy
0: to uh thank you for making it snow (laughs) see you next time guys bye